0: Being a language learner has given me kind of a little bit of a perspective on what some of the people who aren't native English speakers experience here. I mean, I think the the most valuable thing that I've gotten out of learning a different language is it's, that it's made me a, whole, a more whole, well-rounded person. It's changed how I view the world. And if I never spoke Spanish again, I would still have that. And it's unbelievably valuable to me. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic
1: related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. Heather Rowley joins us to discuss how studying Spanish and her early inclination to teach led her down a path toward migrant aid, social work, and immigration issues.
2: Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University.
1: And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. Our guest today is Heather Rowley. Heather works for an agency that serves migrant agricultural workers and is currently studying for her master's in social work.
2: We will speak with Heather about how studying Spanish in school influenced her life and career. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Heather. Hi, thank you. So before we talk more about all of your experiences and the things that you do right now, can you talk a little bit about your background in languages, what your history is?
0: Sure. Um, so I first started studying Spanish in seventh grade, mm. um, took it all throughout high school. Um, and then I think in like my senior year of high school, I decided that was what I wanted to study in college. Nice. Um, so that's what I did. I... Um, Went to Ithaca College, um, got my bachelor's degree in Spanish there. Yeah, brief, brief overview.
2: <laughs> I like it. Have you studied abroad? Were you able to actually apply the language so far in some travels or studying abroad? Yes, I did. That
0: was um, that was one of the most important things to me when I was considering college and going for Spanish was I knew I wanted to study abroad.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I had a pretty specific idea that I wanted to study in Spain. So I was able to do that for a semester. Wonderful. Um, I lived in
2: Granada. Oh, great. Yeah, Good spot to be. It's a and- wonderful spot
1: to be. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, right now, your work involves uh, providing aid to migrant workers. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in that and what some of your responsibilities are and uh, the challenges that you face?
0: Sure. Um, so after graduating from Ithaca College with my bachelor's in Spanish, I kind of... I uh, took a few years off doing other things. I didn't really use my degree at all. Um, and I instead um, was doing some part time work in office administration. And I just happened to find a job posting for an administrative position working with um, a migrant serving agency. And one of the job requirements was to be bilingual and have office experience. And I said, huh. perfect. I'm, <laughs> I, I, you know, I think bilingual gets, is a term that gets tossed around a lot. I don't know if I would actually call myself that, but I was like, I certainly speak Spanish well enough for this job. And I have the, the office experience. So I, um, I applied, I got the position, and it was the first time I was ever really able to use Spanish professionally. Um, and uh, it is a nonprofit organization. And a lot of times in nonprofit organizations, you kind of end up doing a little bit of everything, mm-hmm. and just kind of filling in um, as gaps arise. So I've um, been able to step up recently, and I'm actually working doing some outreach for um, that program now because I have those Spanish language skills, and um, it's something that I'm that I'm interested in. I've always wanted to to kind of do some more hands on stuff versus just office stuff. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a stepping stone for me, more than anything.
2: Yeah. How does your experience with the Spanish language and also the fact that you have lived abroad factor into your day-to-day work? Do you use Spanish on a daily basis or is it more like on a on an all, every so often basis? Like, how does Spanish factor into your current job? Um, at this point,
0: I'm using... Spanish, I think just about every day. Wow, Definitely, nice. um, certainly every day that I'm contacting uh, migrant workers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, throughout New York State, not all migrant workers are necessarily Spanish-speaking. Sure. But in the part of the state where I am, they are. Um, so I, uh, just about every day. I think um, what I found most valuable is that Being a language learner has given me kind of a little bit of a perspective on what some of the people who aren't native English speakers experience here. Mm -hmm. Because I've been the person in a foreign country who didn't speak the language and was struggling to figure things out. And it's really hard. Yeah. Um, And, you know, even a lot of the experiences that I had were very privileged. I was a college student. I was spending a lot of money on a fancy degree. And I was in Europe mm-hmm. um, and, you know, it was, there was still a cultural, cultural adjustment. I still, you know, struggled to do daily tasks. And a lot of the people that I work with now are fleeing poverty or violence in their home countries. They're in the, in the U.S. to earn money to make a living for their family
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they have to learn English just to like survive and get by every day. So I have kind of a very privileged view on what that feels like. So yeah. I think, at least to some degree, I kind of, I kind of understand how difficult mm-hmm. that is. But obviously, they're facing a lot of things that I'm not. Sure.
1: Can you talk a little bit about some of the ways in which you get to interact with the people that your organization serves? Is there are there any uh, stories that stick out to you, or anything you can share about what experiences you've had?
0: Um well right now we're doing everything over the phone <laughs>
1: uh-huh. <and> virtually. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um and that's been I mean that's been a challenge for us. Um because some of the people that we're working with have limited literacy skills especially digital literacy. One thing that I've struggled with um as we've been doing things virtually and over the phone is that um Speaking a different language over the phone is a very different experience. Mm -hmm. It is very difficult to speak Spanish over the phone, especially when what I'm trying to do is make like an authentic connection with someone and someone that I don't have a relationship with. Uh, It's been a struggle. (laughs) You know, I have a a bachelor's degree in Spanish, but sometimes I find myself Mm -hmm. Googling how to talk on phone in Spanish.
2: Sure. Yeah. One the the kind of work that you do is is much more about communication and and creating connections with people, and that is certainly much more tricky to do in a in an online or or voice mediated environment than it is face to face. This reminds me of the episode earlier this season when we talked to our colleagues at Cornell's Farmworker Legal Assistance Clinic. They also echoed some of the similar challenges that they encountered as, as you are describing right now. Um, you are currently working on a master's degree in social work. How have your past experiences led you to this course of study?
0: Oh, that's a great question. Um, so my original plan was to be a Spanish teacher. Mm-hmm. I think um, in high school, I was just like, I really love Spanish. I want to do this. Then I was like, how do I get a job? I was like, well, I'll be a teacher. <laughs> And, um, you know, that kind of didn't work out. And, you know, reflecting back on some of the education courses I did take, what I enjoyed most was some of the the social justice aspects. Mm. And um, after I started working at the agency that I was in, I was like, you know, I, I really want to kind of combine my Spanish speaking skills and my passion for speaking Spanish and my passion for social justice Um Like, I want to marry those two together. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, social work was kind of the best option just because it's the kind of thing where you can um, work directly with people, but I also have the option to kind of work at more of a meso or macro level, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. changing policies and things like that.
2: Well, and I appreciate that you um, mentioned the fact that you had this notion of being a Spanish teacher and that oftentimes... When we talk to students about language, they they think that the only thing you can do with a degree in a language is teach. And so it's it's really great to hear that, no, you know, there are different opportunities as well, different options, different paths that you can take where you can still apply your language knowledge and, and your proficiency, but also work in different areas that, that you are interested in. Yeah.
0: And I... um it's so it's just like a it's a tool that i always have i mean i think the the most valuable thing that i've gotten out of learning a different language is it's that it's made me a whole a more whole well-rounded mm-hmm. person it's changed how i view the world and um if i never spoke spanish again i would still have that and it's unbelievably valuable to me
1: to that end um as you look to beginning to practice as a social worker in the future, um, do you have thoughts or plans on, on how you would apply uh, your Spanish speaking to that practice?
0: Uh, so believe it or not, I have found that I'm very passionate about immigration issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is what I would like to do more than anything is work um, in an agency that does, provides legal assistance to immigrants I would like to continue to speak Spanish um, as I become a social worker, but I think um, it's important for me to recognize the limitations that I have um, because I'm not a native speaker. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not going to be, and that is always going to be something that's going to create a disconnect between me and my clients. So I always think, I, I think that my role is to always advocate to have more native speakers speakers, and more people who identify as Latinx in those roles, Um, because uh, I I mentioned this earlier, but my language learning journey has been extremely privileged. But I don't speak Spanish better than a native speaker. I never will. So what I can do is um, use the privilege and the education that I've had to give native Spanish speakers opportunities that they wouldn't have otherwise.
2: Mm-hmm. So that's what I'd like to do. That's wonderful. Oh, that's I wonderful. We need we need more Heather's in our world. <laughs> <laughs> Before we sign off, Heather, we'd like to ask you to share your favorite word in a language that you speak, you love, you are learning. What is that favorite word?
0: Well, that favorite word is going to be in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite word is Duende which is going to take a little bit of an explanation. Uh Um, So its literal translation is like dwarf or elf. (laughs) Um, But especially in Spain, um, which is really um, what I can speak to, Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of regional differences in Spanish. um, And I don't want to speak for Latin America because it's not my expertise. But at least in Spain, Duende is kind of this... um, like, artistic inspiration, this, like, heightened emotional state that um, performers, it's not just that performers, like, share when they perform, but it's also something that as an audience member and an observer you you feel. Hmm. So there's duende in creating art. There's duende when you experience it. Um, and it's something that Federico Garcia Lorca um, actually goes into great detail. He was a contemporary contemporary of Dali. And he goes into great detail describing Duende as this um, melancholy, sad darkness in art that people share. and um, It's very difficult to explain. If you've been (laughs) at all
1: intrigued by what I've said, please, please do some research for yourself. But that's my favorite word.
2: Awesome. Thank you.
1: Terrific. Well, thank you so much for speaking of language with us, Heather.
2: Thanks for having me. Next week, we welcome Sergio Pedro. Sergio is Assistant Professor in the Department of Modern Languages and Literatures at Ithaca
1: College. We will talk about topics from pronunciation to Miguel Cervantes, as well as his other life as a musician in the Ithaca area. Until then, auf
2: Wiederhören!
0: The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter.
2: Speaking of language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz.
0: Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson.
2: Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University.
1: As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University.
0: We thank our listeners. And do stay tuned for our next episode.